Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 354. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined by a special guest, Mason Black. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it is my pleasure. I've been waiting quite a while to get you here. Um, so you manage an app called NHL Rank King. And could you kind of walk us through a little bit of what the app does and what the goal behind it is? Sure, absolutely. So I uh, developed the app probably, I'm going to say seven or eight years ago. Um, it was actually the, the whole reason. I won't get into the uh, the deep dive into how it was created or anything, but uh, as a high school teacher, I was asked to take over a computer science class and to teach kids how to create apps. So I figured I better learn that myself and I uh, wanted to do something that was inside my interest which is hockey and fantasy hockey so really almost everything that we talk about today just uh remember that it's coming from a fantasy hockey perspective um but obviously uh with success in fantasy hockey comes success in real life uh and um so yeah i developed an app it was supposed to start out pretty simply that it would create rankings for uh the average user of uh fantasy hockey analytic analytics and things like that so um really it started with a, a little game you may have played when you were a kid called uh, who'd you rather and um it would give you two nhl players or two nhl prospects and you just have to choose which one would you rather have on your fantasy team and then since that time it's actually evolved into so many different other avenues um so basically when i found a need for myself that wasn't already out there or easily accessible i would build it into the app uh, even things like starting goalies line combinations and whatnot and it's really taken off uh into the prospect realm so um it's kind of my passion too in fantasy hockey uh, i think in, in order to be successful in fantasy hockey especially in dynasty leagues you have to know the prospects that are, that are coming up and who's going to be successful and maybe you can find those hidden gems. And I think uh, the Habs uh, prospect pool is a testament of some of those guys that might be on their way. So that's how it started. Um, I then created a, um, just for myself again, a stack called PNHLE. And what it does is it really looks at uh, predicting a prospect's point potential in their prime years if they make it into the NHL. Doesn't evaluate how good a player is, doesn't evaluate the probability, uh, of success that the player is going to hit that potential, but it just says based on historic NHL values, guys that are playing currently in the NHL, when they were the same age inside the same league, uh, how many points would they project to getting while they're playing inside the NHL? So it kind of looks backwards and says, okay, we know that uh, player X is playing first line minutes on a team is getting first power play time. Let's take a look at what he was doing in the queue uh, five, 10 years ago. And then can we find similar players that match that pr production? So it really takes a look at production, uh, the age of a player, uh, and that age is broken down over the course of an entire year. So that means 
let's say for instance, a draft eligible player that is the oldest in his draft class is actually calculated much differently than the youngest player inside the draft class. Uh, it also takes a look at the position they play, defense versus forwards, and of course the league that they play in. So each year is independent of one another, which means you never want to take a look at PNHLE as a static value as a single season. You want to take a look at the trend line over time to see the projection of a player and that gives you a better idea of where they will fall. fall. So uh, it doesn't come without its warts. It's got some wrinkles in there that uh, you need to watch out for. But if you know that those things are in there, then you can start uh, accounting for that when you're evaluating prospects. Yeah, I've been looking at the stat that you've created and I've been using it as part of a tool in looking ahead for some of these players. Just like any other uh any other tools. You can't build a house with just a hammer. You need different tools to finish the entire project. And I look at uh, the advanced stats and the eye tests and everything to do with each aspect of those two items as different tools. So the more tools you have, the likelier you'll be able to suss out which one is a good prospect, which one isn't. And if you can actually win a few dollars at fantasy hockey, that, that helps. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I think, yeah, like I would never look at just PNHLE as a stat yeah. to try to look at how good a prospect is, but oftentimes what I'll use it as, as the very first point of reference. So if I'm, you know, it's early on in the season and I'm seeing a, a prospect that's putting up near 100 PNHLE early in the season, that might be a guy that I'm going to throw on a deep roster and just let him sit and marinate for a little bit. And if he continues to hold that value, then it's gravy because you pretty much picked him up uh, for free as opposed to using a really high draft pick on, on certain prospects that you know are probably going to have a high potential and high probability of reaching their potential. Um, so I usually use it as just the first um, point of reference. And then I start digging deeper into prospect, prospect reports, um, scouting reports. I look at other models that other uh, people have publicly placed out there as well. Now, it's primarily used with the uh, the fantasy hockey aspect of it. But as I mentioned, I, I use some of this to help me with my evaluation of players going from juniors to uh, the NCAA, NCAA up to pro, all the different uh, as they go up. Um, now, before we get into the Canadians prospects and draft picks, I just want to point out that even though you're wearing that hat, that Nordiques hat, <laughs> I appreciate that you came on the show. And I, I really, I really do enjoy the work that you've been doing, but you know, it's, it's the hat. <laughs> I can take it off. <laughs> I just think, you know no. what, if Arizona's got to move, what better place? We've got a rink in Quebec City right. there. And is there anything better than a Habs Nordiques rivalry? Like, just think of what that would do to the NHL. And uh, I mean, it's a no brainer. I know that Batman is so against it and he wants to put another team out West if, if Arizona is going to have to move. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there would be nothing better than a Quebec rivalry again. I mean, one of my one of my favorite childhood memories is watching the uh, the Vendée de Saint Brawl with my dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nothing better. <laughs> like just watching him just punch in the air, 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh now on to the prospects themselves. I'd like to start with some of the Canadians' prospects. I gave you a couple of names before we came on the show, uh, just to get a little bit of a background on. And I mean, you mentioned the Canadians prospect pool. I agree. It's fairly deep, but I don't see really any real superstar potential, but maybe I'm wrong and you can tell me. So I'd like to, I'd like to start with maybe uh, a Slavkovsky who went first overall last year. And I know a lot of Habs fans are down on him because of his development. But what does your model show from this player? Yeah, so so Slavkowski is uh, one of those ones that I think all models that I've looked at are not real super high on Slavkowski. But that's where the model is going to fall apart. And you got to really kind of dig down into there's a reason why he was selected first overall. Right. And you can just take a look at the year that Shane Wright's had and how many people got got that wrong right and maybe last year wasn't a super impressive draft year especially compared to this year um but there's so much more to Slavkowski that when he's gonna going to be given that time to develop as a prospect even if that development happens in the NHL that it's going to take a little bit of time um he's going to be a dominant force I think in in the NHL now I should mention too that my Prospect watching days are are well beyond me with uh, how how busy life is. Um, so when I evaluate a prospect, like I mentioned before, I'm looking at different models, I'm reading scouting reports, and different things like that. But I have had a chance to see Slavkowski play, obviously at the World Juniors and in the Olympics, where he was absolutely dominant. Uh, even the World Championship last year, I think he went over a point a game. Um, because he's such a big bodied. Uh, player that he's mobile he's got all the tools that are going to make him a successful NHLer um, and I think eventually if he can reach his potential he's going to be a star in this league and then if you start looking at the way that uh, Kent Hughes is uh, developing the system right and they're starting to build around these core guys where he will be one of those core guys but you also have other fundamental pieces Cole Caulfield Suzuki uh, what a smart move getting Doc last last uh, draft. Um, that these guys, if they can gel together, are going to create just this dominant core uh, moving forward. So I'm pretty high on Slavkowski from just an, an NHL perspective. I realize that we kind of expect these guys to come in and, you know, throw up 40, 50 points a season. Generally doesn't happen for rookies, even the top rookies. You can look at Lafreniere or uh, even Jack Hughes, uh, his first couple of years. Uh, a lot of people were considering him a bust, uh, which is hard to believe. And then he throws, what, 99 points this season, something like that. So um, I don't think you have to worry with Slavkowski. Obviously, the injury kind of derails a bit of that development. But if you can be patient, it might actually help out for his next contract too, right? So when we're dealing with a hard salary cap, um, maybe it's not the worst thing to have a prospect take a little bit of extra time, develop the proper way, even in the NHL, and um, see that success later on. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people tend to look at the shiny new toy and think he's it's a complete project. They're ready to go. Uh, this is what they're going to be. When the kid just turned 18 before the season began, I mean, I know he's, he's a huge kid. I've uh, read into him a couple times and massive kid. Un I don't know how his parents afford to feed him. 
<laughs> but there he is. But he he's he's still he's still maturing. He's still growing, and there's a lot to learn when you go from one uh, playing a league in Europe to the best league in the world. There is a ton of difference between those two. So, yeah, a little bit of leeway for him would be good. Um, and I'm it makes you kind of look at the other prospects and wonder, okay, how much time do they need? So guys like, uh, for instance, Beck. I watched Beck this year in junior, and from what I've seen, he was better than Wright in the OHL this year. Did did your model show anything around that? Yeah, so with Owen Beck, um, obviously he switched teams, right? So he he started the year with Mississauga Steelheads and then uh, transferred over to Peterborough. Uh, and obviously they're on their way to the, the Mem Cup uh, this weekend, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, so his, his value actually dropped um, over the course of the season. So I think he started with, I'm just trying to see, 59 with the Steelheads, and then he dropped to... Uh, I think about 40 as a PNHLE um, doesn't look that great. Right. You kind of mix the two together. 48 is where he lands. If you average those two out or prorate them based on the number of games played. Um, but I think that's a good spot. So my model predicts him and based on his trend line, he's looking like a middle six player. And I think the important thing with Beck is that he can take on any role inside the organization right so you need a guy that fill, fills in there's an injury or something you can move him up to the fir first line and he's not going to hurt you but the thing that really steps out for me uh with owen beck is the fact that he is such a great defensive um minded forward that that's going to be his bread and butter in the game there are very few players uh that come out of junior that already have that skill set uh i think he could step into the Jazz logo and, and excel next year as that defensive minded forward and then over time you're going to start to see him add elements to his game that skill set the offensive skill set is going to start coming a little bit later on uh, if you get a chance to watch them the memorial cup he will start shutting down other teams top players and there's going to be a whack load of them on the four teams that remain and it, it's going to go probably unnoticed by most people but if you can focus in on him playing against the other team's top lines and noticing that that top line is coming out of a game with maybe, you know, a power play point here or there, but they're going to get shut down because of guys like Owen Beck. Um, he, he, I think, um, probably reminds me a lot of actually Phil Deneau. Um, so yeah. uh, as, as a Blackhawks fan, uh, he was a first round pick and then obviously a brutal trade that brought him to the Habs and had a lot of success there and obviously is continuing that in the Kings organization right now. But uh, you can imagine if you have a homegrown Deneau uh, coming up the pipeline right now, what an important piece that is, especially for playoff success. So oftentimes we think of um, uh just the, the teams that continue to push far into the playoffs. So I'm sure as a, as a Habs fan, you probably look at the Leafs and just kind of laugh a little bit each year when they get knocked out and, you know, the success yeah. after the first round this year. And you could almost see the ticker tape parade being planned after they finally knocked out uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, move on to the second round, uh, only to get knocked off by the Florida Panthers. But the Florida Panthers have those guys that are built for success in the playoffs, the Matthew to Chucks, 
uh, the Barkoffs. And that's the type of uh, player that uh, Owen Beck kind of reminds me of. And I'm not saying that he has the same skill set as those guys, but it's those um, intangibles that give teams playoff success. And when you have a guy like Owen Beck that can be placed in any position, power play, uh, penalty kill, even strength, defensive zone deployment, that's the type of guy that really does bring value, um, not just in regular season, but into the playoffs. And that is exactly the reason why Mike Oak, the GM of the Peterborough Peets, brought him into the organization. Those exact, uh, the intangibles, the defensive game, the ability to take the game 200 feet from his own net, everything you just said is the exact reason why Mike Oak brought him in. And it's paying off. Uh, they, they're in the Mem, they won the OHL title, they're in the Mem Cup now. Uh, whereas, Right, they got swept in the first round. I'm not blaming him for win, uh, for Windsor's loss, but the lack of games that he's played and everything going around, however he missed the entire season, he he's fallen behind. So I can see why uh, a lot of people who have been watching these two players play have been saying that Owen Beck went from being a Shane Wright light to surpassing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a, so so the one thing I always watch for prospects uh, inside the model is again I, you never want to take a single year at face value. Um, is you always want to see a trend line that is increasing year over year. That's happening with Owen Beck. Shane Wright has actually been declining year over year, right? And part of that is he he comes in as an exceptional player. Uh, he's already a man before anyone else the same age right so that when he comes in other players start to catch up to him over the course of time in the ohl and now we're looking at him and i still think he's going to be a successful player i think he's going to eventually probably top out as like a, a very good second line center there's nothing wrong with that but at the same time that's not the type of player you probably want to select at first overall so um i think that's uh, that's a big part of it and i think there's also uh, you remember the glare that he made to the Habs table, whether that or not that was actually true or not. I think there is something about whether or not a player can play in certain environments. And we know that in Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver, a lot of those Canadian markets are very tough on players. Uh, and whether or not a player can handle that mentally um, is very important. So when we look at Slepkowski, he just exudes confidence right almost to the point of cockiness but that's the type of player you want in those environments that the media is not going to bother him that much right that he knows that he's such a good player that he's going to uh put that out there on the ice each and every night i find that the younger these younger players coming in now the these kids these babies because i'm old as freaking hell um (laughs) I find that they're a lot more comfortable with that media aspect, that social media side, putting themselves out there for the world to see and, and having that, that self-awareness and that, that comfort in their own skin. I, I think that's, that's a skill set that people in our generation find very rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, like, trust me, as a high school teacher, you see the interactivity every single day of how many students are um, on their phones nonstop all the time, right? Now, if you're an NHL player and you're 22 years old, 
and suddenly you're look, looking on Twitter and all you see is your name beside a video of maybe a bad play you made the night before, how does that affect you, right? Are you able to brush that off? Um, and even the, the recent coaching interviews that are going on across the NHL, it just seems like a lot of teams are now saying, we actually have to turn this around a little bit. We don't want necessarily the Mike Babcocks that are playing mind games with you, trying to make you tough, the Tortorellas even. Let's try to look for coaches that are positive, right? And and um, I'm just thinking Florida, Tampa Bay, uh, Cooper, you know, just he, he just seems like a positive guy that's going to keep you um, in a positive mind frame each and every game. And, you know, that breeds... Uh, I think inside playoff games, it's, it's super important. Yeah. And, and coaches like Cooper, I find uh, working in my day job, uh, I try to emulate leaders. I try to take the best from everyone that I've worked with or for. And with Cooper, I see a lot of that same mentality, people that he's worked with or for he's brought in. And he's the type of coach that he's not all raw, raw, and he's not all yell, yell. He's, he's a guy that knows what buttons to push and when to push them. And that that's two very key components of a successful coach now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's such an important skill set to have. Right. And there's really kind of two types of motivators. You can be that guy that yells at you in your face, kicking garbage cans in the, in the dressing room and try to get you up. But I think at a certain point in time, we have to realize these guys are professionals. They've been there before. Uh, they know what it takes. They don't need to get that, you know, um, adrenaline up before the second period or something like that. They need to dial in and mentally focus. And uh, guys like Coop and um, any number of recent hirings of coaches across the NHL, I think are, are guys that can motivate in that way. And we're going to see sort of the, the exodus of coaches like Sutter that just happened in Calgary. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see moving forward uh, which teams have the most success with that model. Yeah. Not a lot of coaches that are going to be remaining in the NHL if they can't name a player that just got called up, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now sticking with the prospects, there's one more that I wanted to ask about, and that is Lane Hudson, who has exceeded every expectation that anybody's ever had in front of him. Any hurdle, any naysayer, he has turned them all away. He's gone from being that tiny little five foot eight guy to a five foot 10 guy. Yeah, and, and he's showing the world playing against men that he can, he can hang with them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think like, obviously what's going on right now in the world championships is a number seven D as he's playing right now. Um, he's, he is showing, I think a lot of eyes are, well, he can do this in college, but can you actually do this against grown men that are playing professional? And he's showing absolutely. He's got that skill set. So just to give you some background. So PNHLE uh, had him as the highest PNHLE coming into last year's draft and against Wright, against Slavkovsky, against every single player, he had the highest PNHLE. So he gets drafted outside of the first round how's that even possible right and it's that height that 5-8 I'm sure that's what it kind of boiled down to even with him showing the world that well my bone structure is going to you know you have this medical note that says yeah. I'm gonna grow I'm gonna grow and I don't know if teams didn't believe it or just didn't believe that he 
would be able to transition his game into a pro style. He's yet to prove that outside of the world championships. But the thing that um, I'm always reminded of is that these top players um, that might come out as just offensive dynamos figure out a way to succeed at the next level, even if they don't have uh, big body structure. That, that If you have a high hockey IQ, you're able to transfer that into different leagues. Um, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time. So I wouldn't expect that he's going to jump in. Obviously next year he's back at BU, but um, um, even the next year after that, I would say that he probably needs some AHL time, get exposed to the speed of the game against grown men. Um, and I do actually consider NCAA to be a grown man's league. Uh, there's not, you know, this isn't uh, junior hockey. Um, so the amazing part about Lane Hudson is that he took his PNHLE of 98. Um, and just so you, so you know, what does 98 actually mean? So the first thing is that defensemen get an automatic bump. It's uh, a different calculation for every single league, but it's to um, equate them or normalize them with forwards so that we can quickly take a look and say, okay, how good is Lane Hudson? Well, he is scoring at a rate right now that projects him to be a 98 point um, forward in the NHL in the prime. So you're thinking 25, 26 years old. Um, and not only that, but this year, he far exceeded that. His PNHLE this year was 111. So, it, you know, a lot of people were saying this is just a fluke last year, right? Like, there's a reason that he's getting pushed outside of the first round. Well, it wasn't a fluke. Uh, if anything, last year's fluke was that he could have been better. So uh, he's putting up historic numbers in the NCAA, um, beating, I think, Brian Leach's record for most points by a defenseman in the in the 80s. Um, so that just, it's, I think, was, I think it was 86, 86. 86. Yeah. yeah. Like, so my model has him as the highest uh, ranked prospect um, that's not currently drafted in the NHL based on PNHLE alone. Uh, so um, if you're looking at me, I would say you guys have a gem and the fact that the Habs were able to get him outside of the first round is unbelievable. Um, and just watching him, he's got this, cool set that really nobody else has uh even looking inside the nhl there are very few guys um Macar might be a comparable um and i'm not suggesting that he's gonna end up like that but just the way that he can transition um he's so agile moving from side to side but he also is able to find players um backdoor and you know, from the blue line to the back door for a tip in or a shot that looks like it's actually more of a shot pass or something like that. He, he just is able to find ways to get the puck to people that are open. It's that vision, the hockey IQ that I think is going to make him a very successful player in the NHL. Yeah, it's for me, it's that efficiency of movement. He's not skating just for the sake of it. When he makes a move, whether it be north-south or east-west, he's doing it to open up lanes, open up the defense, to create some kind of play, whether it be a lane to skate up into or to pass into. And he he did it extremely well at the World Juniors. Uh, I covered the World Juniors for the hockey writers, and I watched every single game at that tournament. And holy cow, he was he started it off as a, like the, like the seventh defenseman, and then he worked his way into that top four 
and he was their main power play guy. Yeah. It's for that reason. That's Absolutely. And that's going to be his bread and butter, right? He's, he's never going to play penalty kill time in the NHL. Um, but you need to have a guy that you can count on for that first power play unit. And he is going to excel at that. Um, and I think he's yeah. going to, over time, get much better in the defensive zone. Um, there were some cracks uh, during the World Juniors from the defensive end. But again, he's, he's 18 years old, right? He's 19 now. Um, he's going to develop that part of his game just because of his high IQ. Yeah. And for the Canadians, they haven't had a real power play quarterback since Andre Markov left. I mean, you know, Chicago had Duncan Keith for the longest time and Montreal has gone without anything Mm -hmm. for quite some time. So seeing a kid like that, who could possibly fill that role, that's a big deal for Cavs fans. And Fingers crossed the kid makes it, but I know for a fact he has grown a few inches uh, in speaking with him. He's, he's almost up to my eyeballs now. So that puts yeah. him at about five ten. Yeah. He's taller than me. Then. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, to the draft, um, the Canadians hold the fifth overall pick and there's a lot of talk back and forth about, you know, who's it going to be? I mean, we can't all be lucky and win the lottery like <laughs> Chicago did. <laughs> bastards anyway <laughs> but for the canadians the uh the big the big debate right now is mitchkov versus smith versus leonard so with mitchkov we'll start there what do what do you see from him using your model as well so mitchkov um had the highest pnhle of any prospect any player outside of the nhl um when you isolate the teams that he plays on. And what I mean by that is he played some, some games early on in the season for Scott St. Petersburg, uh, was loaned to HC Sochi, um, where he was given better deployment, more ice time, um, not necessarily better line mates, uh, but just because he was able to see the, the ice time more, getting power play time and whatnot, he was able to have a lot more success. So his PNHLE isolated with Sochi was 155, which is obviously off the charts. It doesn't even make sense. And it's because he broke records in the KHL that have never been broken before, right? That uh, he's better than Kaprizov. He's better than Kucherov. He's better than any player that's ever played in the KHL at his age. So there's a couple of things to, to take in mind. Obviously, that's not included with his time with Scott St. Petersburg. So when you combine those together, his value actually drops and he's in a, a threshold that's um, more like Fantilli compared to Bedard. Uh, the other thing is that in the last game of the season, he scored five points, which hugely jumped up his value, right? So I think that uh, he his dynamic elements probably make him the second best um, offensive player inside of this year's draft. Of course, there's the Russian dilemma, right, that we can't forget. Um, and he's under contract and everything else that comes along with that. Um, what I would say for, for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, if he's available at five, he's the guy to go after. Um, and the reason for that is that when Montreal Canadiens are entering their prime and you have Doc and Suzuki 
and Slavkovsky and Caulfield and all of these guys are just a couple years older, more developed that next year, let's say they're in the playoffs. Next year after that, they win a round or two. The next year after that, now's the time that you actually want to make a run for the Stanley Cup. That's the year that Mitchkoff comes over at the end of the season, enters a team that's probably in the upper echelon of the NHL already, and you just add the best player on your team entering a playoff run. Not And no other team can say that. And you can imagine getting a polished Kaprizov heading into the playoffs, what that would do for a fan base like Montreal. Uh, and I honestly would say that Montreal is the best city in North America. And I, I love nothing more, even as someone that's a Blackhawks fan, going to Habs playoff games or just even being in the city in the bars. And what, how unreal it would be if you had a player like Mitchkoff uh, entering the roster just prior to the playoffs and having him uh, come on board. Now, there's obviously all of these other elements that you'd have to worry about. Um, I think what's going to probably happen is that teams are going to shy away for obvious reasons. But maybe the thing that I haven't often heard about uh, just on online debates of who's going where, mock drafts and things like that, is that Russian players oftentimes want to come over and they want to play in the big city markets, right? The New Yorks, the Chicago's, the Toronto's and the Montreal's. And I think that's going to be a big reason why Anaheim won't draft him. Um, Columbus certainly won't with what uh, happened with Panarin. They basically gave Panarin up for nothing. So I think he's going to be sitting there for the Habs. Now, whether or not the Habs decide that they want to sign or draft him um, is going to be up in the air. But if they don't, there's still going to be a handful of really excellent players available there. I would say that in any given year, there are five players in this year's draft that would typically go first overall. Mitchkoff would be one of those guys. And that puts Montreal in a great place because they obviously have the fifth overall pick, right? Um, so that's that's kind of where I see Mitchkoff. I'm extremely high on him. Last year, again, he, he was pretty much breaking records based on my model. Um, there are a few elements of his game, um, the defensive side mainly, that that are, you know, he's going to either have to improve on or um, he's just going to have to be an offensive force and, and it's not really going to matter. So uh, there are some things that certainly would make teams a little bit uh, reluctant to draft him, but I, I think he's going to end up being a top 10 player in the NHL uh, when things are all said and done. Well, that would be a, that would be an exciting player to add for sure. And I know that the Canadians are debating whether or not to pick him, but if they choose not to go with him, there's another player that I'm fairly certain that they will lean towards. And that is Ryan Leonard, the American winger who along with Smith and Perot kind of lit up the entire under 18s. They lit up the U S and TDP. And now they're going to be going to Boston college together. All is a line. Now with Leonard, I see a player that plays both ways, who has a good a good scoring acumen, but he can play a little bit of defense as well. So what do you see from him with your model as well? Well, I personally say that if, if Mitchkoff uh, is not the right fit for Montreal, Leonard's the guy that I would go after. 
Uh, and it's for the same reasons that we were talking earlier about Owen Beck. There are certain guys that are going to have success, not just in the NHL, but in the playoffs. And Ryan Leonard is going to be one of those key pieces. Um, he models his game after Tuchuk, and I see a lot of Tuchuk in his game. The size might not be there. Um, he, he may still have a little bit of wiggle room to grow a little bit more, but he plays much bigger. He plays like he's 6'2 or 6'3 on the ice. Um, and just watching Matthew Tuchuk and what he's done in these playoffs and having fun doing it, he just reminds me a lot of Ryan Leonard. I think there are some of those intangible pieces that he is going to have a lot of success, and that success is going to come inside the playoffs. He might not be necessarily a point per game player regular season uh, I think he probably gets there maybe one two times during the course of his career but again um, when you're hoisting Stanley Cups and you're raising banners it doesn't matter how many points you put up in the regular season so uh, personally for me I have Ryan Leonard ranked extremely high um, and it's not like my model is not extremely high on him it's just the other things uh, that I've seen from him World Juniors, just watching some of the uh, games, excuse me, from the uh, the development program against NCAA teams. Um, and there's just so much to like about his game. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and before I let you go, there's a couple of uh, two more questions and they have to do with the Blackhawks, at All least right. tangentially. Can I, can I interrupt you just for one second? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Will Smith? Everything that I've posted, I've done a couple of just mock drafts out there. And so many uh, Canadians fans have said Will Smith is the guy that Montreal will take 100%. I don't think he's going to be available. Although if he were, I would love to see him drafted by the Canadians. Uh, I know he has a relationship with the GM as a former coach. And he has put up numbers uh, in that program that rival Jack Hughes. So you'd be hard pressed not to want him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, right? There's so many of these guys that are out there that um, I know it's not great when you see the Blackhawks win, win the draft lottery. And honestly, <laughs> uh, when I was watching it, I didn't think there was any chance that the Hawks were going to win. Yeah. Um, but to, I think the fifth place is going to have uh, an easy decision when, when it comes time to draft someone. So I think there's just going to be so many good players. Maybe it is a harder decision, but I think um, Montreal is going to probably get, there's always one guy that kind of goes, jumps out of nowhere. Right. Be Zach Benson maybe goes in top four this year that I think has dropped down draft boards uh, recently and not because of his own personal play. I think it's just so many other guys have jumped up uh, due to the recent uh, U18 tournament or um, whatever it is, right? There's always some consensus uh, public ranking systems that seem to kind of feed, feed off each other. Um, but I think there's going to be a great choice that uh, the Habs are going to walk away with uh, an absolute superstar this year. Well, I mean, the top five especially look good, but it's that top 15 in this year's draft. It's abnormally good. It's mm -hmm. just, I don't think any team that missed the playoffs is going to be upset with the player they get. Yeah, I totally agree. Really? Uh, now, the big question is, who's Chicago going to pick? <laughs> yeah. I think the tired's kind of a lock, but... Uh... <laughs> Up in the air. 
<laughs> yeah. So he and his PNHLE, I can remember. I think it was about one fifty. So again, yeah. Bitch was one fifty five. So Bedard, the and the crazy part about it is Bedard's PNHLE consistently rose over the course of the year. He actually had a bit of a slow start that. Uh, probably not many remember. Um, so there's a couple of things I mentioned earlier that when I'm using PNHLE to uh, analyze prospects and I'm always looking at year over year progress. Uh, and most of these guys have exactly that. But also inside the window of a single year, what you wanna see is progress happening from the start of the season to the end of the season. It's easy for prospects to come out of the gate really hot after training, development, training camp, everything it's hard to keep that consistency over the course of a season. And the top guys in this draft have all done that um, to a great extent. Well, that does bode well for at least for the future of the game so that we have some good young stars to keep watching and sell tickets, uh, except in Arizona, for some reason, they can't sell <laughs> any tickets. Um, but with the other question I want to ask about Chicago tangentially, and it's about Kirby doc. I mean, why did Davidson quit on Doc? It's a great question. Um, I've, I've often <laughs> asked myself that same question. I'm not sure I know what the answer is. I think um, the Blackhawks' new regime is trying to get rid of any connection to to every, anything that's connected to Kyle Beach. Not saying that Kirby Doc was in any way, but because it wasn't a Davidson pick. It seems that's the that's the only answer that I can really come up with. Um, and I, I think it was a pretty clear message when they pulled Jonathan Taves, they wouldn't bring him back after this year. Patrick Kane obviously getting traded um, was, I mean, everything was in Patrick Kane's hands because he had a full no trade clause. Um, but I don't think we're, I mean, who's left? There, there aren't really any guys in, in just a couple of years, right? And it's the yeah. only thing that I can think of. Um, it, Kind of a crazy aside to that, though, because they traded Kirby Doc, kind of helped them get Bedard. So in some sort of strange <laughs> way, even though at the time I thought, what just happened here? Uh, because I, I did go to the draft and um, with all the buzz going on that weekend, uh, what a crazy draft it was, honestly. But um, with Kirby Doc moving on from Chicago, I was just thinking they didn't get the value back that he was actually worth in that draft. So I think Montreal wins on that on that trade absolutely and then somehow the blackhawks end up winning on that trade because they win the lottery out of it so it kind of worked out for both teams yeah and it's kind of weird too with the, uh, the way chicago did end up winning is it took a win against the pittsburgh penguins to get that pick i know i remember watching the game just thinking what are you doing <laughs> like you're just like how did you beat and then the penguins obviously just knocked themselves out of the playoffs and uh just imagine now florida who just moves on to the Stanley Cup Finals. They don't even make the playoffs if Pittsburgh wins that game. Like, it's it's crazy. See, the world revolves around Chicago. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and if Florida wins the Cup, they better have a parade in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> At least one of the Kachucks show up with the, with the Cup and yeah. drink it up uh, near Wrigley Field or something. Yeah, it'll but, be, uh, it'll be uh, Keith. He'll probably be the one that comes to if there would be anyone, it'd be Wally. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, before I let you go, I just want you to share with the my listeners where they can find your work and 
what uh, and any tips you have on the fantasy leagues because i know a lot of my listeners really do enjoy playing those fantasy leagues and anything you can do to help them they can stop complaining about all right yeah for sure um yeah so like i said early on i i built an app uh called nhl rank king uh you can find it inside uh, apple and android uh, app stores um, just keep in mind, I'm not a designer. I'm just doing this for fun as a hobby. So if I do have a few extra minutes here or there, I try to add a feature or just kind of think about something that's going to improve my own fantasy experience in hopes that anyone else that downloads the app uh, will also have access to everything that I build. Um, so there's that. I mean, there's uh, rankings, forward rankings, defense rankings, prospects are all broken down by position as well. Uh, the the people that use the app actually contribute to it. So every time that they're playing these games inside of the app, it's actually affecting the rankings. So you can see players adjusting up and down inside of that by playing games like Who'd You Rather. Uh, last year, the year before, I added a feature um, for the draft. So if you want to go in there, uh, you can actually take over the Montreal Canadiens for the first round and get their two picks this year. Um, and when you draft a player, you can actually go in and take a look at uh, PNHLE charts. You can take a look at all their stats from previous years. It's connected to elite prospects and Dauber prospects. So there are scouting reports attached to it. So it's, it's kind of a, a one-stop um, place for all of your fantasy needs, I guess. So as long as you can overlook some of the uh, graphic design flaws that uh, <laughs> not intentionally I put in there. But um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I mean, I use it all the time, so I'm pretty biased, of course, but uh, lots of great feedback. And yeah, it's it's there. You can follow me on Twitter at NHL Ranking. Um, I try to post something each day if I have time. Things have been a little crazy busy recently, but um, hopefully things will slow down towards the draft and we'll get lots of great content out there. So yeah, I appreciate anyone that wants to download it. Uh, hopefully it will be useful for you, whether or not you're in fantasy hockey and uh, yeah, take a look and let me know what you think. Well, personally, it's helped me win a couple of fantasy leagues. So I highly suggest to others to download it and give it a shot. Uh, it has given me bragging rights at work which is a huge deal. It's, <laughs> it's worth way more than money. Yeah. <laughs> Especially around the crowd I work with. They, yeah. They're incessant. Uh, so yeah, I, I highly encourage everyone to go and download that. And Mason, I really do appreciate you taking some time out of your day and joining me on the show and kind of walking through all of this. Uh, I find that the PH, PNHLE is extremely interesting i like that model i like that it, it's looking at the prospects from a different point of view and the more uh, the more angles i can look at a prospect uh the more i learn and i really do enjoy the the aspect that you brought into it and i really appreciate you coming on the show yeah it's my pleasure and thanks for being so flexible i know my time's been a little bit crazy the last couple of weeks so um yeah i do appreciate it and uh wish you all the best all right. Thank you very much. And for my listeners, uh, thank you for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. 
Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.